This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave. In the piney woods of North Central Florida in God's country, as you know, in the Melon Law Studio. Melon Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Fighting Gators, a full-service law firm, protected, as you know, 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, good friends Randy Elrad and John Pastore. Protect yourself locally, that's the best way to do it, and supported by the sponsors you see scrolling across our screen as we conduct the show. Wonderful people patronize them for daring to patronize us in this day of cancel culture and zap, we got you before you got us. We are out here without fear and trepidation. Today, we've got our investigator instigator. I call him investigator, but the other side may know him because he always is like a burr under the saddle to many of these people who think they might get away with something, but they don't get away with it. We're very blessed to have Mark, who's not going to appear video, but will have the voice audio on our team because he has an insatiable appetite to pursue the truth and let the chips fall where they may and does so with very little help except the staff we provide and you people out there who donate quietly to the show. You know who you are. You're not sponsors, but you're donors. And this helps run a staff that is really pale in comparison to the big-time official staffs of the big-time official governments who seem to discover nothing. Well, comparatively so anyway, but he's the expert on this. I'll let Mark explain this to you because he runs circles around them. Now, there's a lot of meaning to having Mark on the show today because it's an anniversary of a particular uh, pursuit and interest that we had quite a while back. I'm going to let Mark begin to bring us up to date. Uh, This is basically the statewide one-year anniversary of the voter beep sweep. As you know, beep, because we couldn't even dare to talk about beep fraud without YouTube permanently, not temporarily, but permanently kicking us off their their platform. Now, we're on Rumble and Vimeo and about 37 other platforms. But no, not the hallowed YouTube. That has everything, including smut on it. Well, 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 that's what we're up against. It's only going to get more interesting and daring as this election drags out. We're seeing it now. But let's introduce... Mark, and let him talk about voting 
irregularities to begin with. Mark, great to have you with us. Thank you for the introduction, Ward, as always. Thank you for the platform. Thank you to the, the listeners of your show and, of course, the donors as well. You know, uh, you and I have a history going back over a decade, um, working on all sorts of issues, local, state, national. And we've had, um, you know, an interesting ride with a, quite a success rate. So I wanted to kind of summarize for the listeners what's transpired since our initial unearthing of the voter irregularities that happened right here in our own county, Alachua County, Florida, and what's um, what's come of those uh, cases that resulted in prosecution and, and conviction and fewer pending. So let me start by saying that uh, because of our research dating back 27 months, just four months after the 2020 election, you and I were able to uh, uh, arrange a meeting with the uh, state attorney. And from that meeting, we have now um, seen produced 14 cases that were prosecuted for 2020 voter fraud. Uh, of those 14 cases, we are, have seen 11 convictions, 10 of those resulting in plea deals, one by a jury trial. So out of the 14 cases that launched from that investigation, we have 11 convictions. Three are pending. Uh, two of those three are set for jury trials next month in September and the following month in October. So as you know, Ward, we have what I consider a 100% success rate in terms of those cases that we've put forward, filed complaints on that have been prosecuted by the state attorney here in the 8th Judicial Circuit. So we're, we're very proud of that record, and we hope to continue that moving forward. Of course, that's just the very tip of, of a giant iceberg. Uh, that we have uncovered throughout the state. We also have um, some success in other counties with state attorneys and other circuits, those being Duval County in the 4th Circuit and Seminole County in the 18th Circuit. There's five more cases there that have been prosecuted, resulting in three convictions. One case is pending. One defendant is deceased. So again, we have 100% success rate, and we're marching forward. We've also filed another over 100 complaints with the Office of Election Crimes and Security, who, unlike us, has a very hefty budget. So year one, which started um, July 1 of 2022, they were awarded $1.2 million, 10 full-time FDLE investigators, and quite a staff, including vehicles, to root out this issue that we unearthed. Uh, in February of 2021. So we feel like we were the nexus behind that vaunted uh, opening salvo that one year ago today, uh, there was a press release um, with the governor and about 15 sheriffs, uh, the head of uh, elections, crime and security, Pete Antonacci, who unfortunately had a heart attack a year ago outside the governor's office in the hallway after a meeting in which there was a heated discussion. And since that time, it seems like the Office of Elections, Crimes and Security has been a rudderless ship. In fact, they've only had the uh, luxury of six convictions, five plea deals, one jury trial. Five cases have been dismissed due, due to a technicality, and those are under appeal now by the state. Seven cases are pending. One is dropped. So it would seem that the opening salvo has been the only salvo. Now they've been uh, budgeted another $1.4 million this year with nothing to show for it. We know from their report in January of this year, an annual report that's required by the Florida statute, that there are almost 1,100 cases pending 
with FDLE, yet they sit on their hands. In fact, about two weeks ago, when I finally got through to FDLE to ask them the status of any of our cases, I was actually hung up on at the end of that conversation. So they don't want to hear from us. They really aren't interested in doing the work that they've been tasked with. And it's just another door that we have to get through, another hurdle. And unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have to do all the heavy lifting individually with the uh, state attorneys themselves and pull away from the statewide agency and the statewide prosecutors because their success rate is so poor and their work ethic seems to be non-existent. So we are not going to be diminished by this. In fact, we're going to double down like we always do. And we, in fact, intend to push this not only at the state level and the national level as well as the 2024 election comes into focus. And as we've discussed, Ward, there's no bad time to expose voter fraud. In fact, as time marches on, as we get into the primary and get into the general election in 2024, this is going to be a very hot topic. And, and, and next week uh, is the Republican primary debate in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I would expect this uh, issue to be raised and some questions to be asked uh, of Governor DeSantis in terms of what he's done to root out the obvious examples of voter fraud that took place in 2020 and what his agency has actually done in the interim. So with that, I'll let you pick up, Ward. Well, it's quite an impressive record. And, of course, the frustration that comes with it by experiencing the inertia, if you will, of the official people. Let's talk about some of the pushback you get oh, this is not enough to make a statistical difference. Your reply has been, has it not, you don't even begin to understand how much hasn't been uncovered. Can you comment about that? Certainly. Um, our um, point is that if they can't stop the very obvious instances of voter fraud that we've uncovered that are so very simple to identify and prosecute, then how can we expect them to uh, stop any kind of sophisticated voter fraud, whether it be uh, foreign entities or ballot harvesting or um, uh, illegal registration of um, uh, non-citizens, uh, people voting from other states, voting in two states, this type of thing. If they can't stop the simple examples that we've given them, which we estimate is at least one-tenth of one percent of the entire voting populace from 2020, over 10,000 cases in Florida alone, then how can we um, trust them to hold the keys to the security or the integrity of those elections. And it's our uh, stance that there is no such thing as election integrity in this country. There's certainly no election integrity in the state of Florida. We've proven that beyond a reasonable doubt, and we will continue to take our case to the listeners and the voters of the state of Florida and hope that they understand that working, we're working on their behalf with zero dollars and zero cents. The agencies that are given millions of dollars have turned a blind eye and a deaf ear. In fact, in 2021, October 21, the 67 uh, supervisors of elections came out with a memo claiming that the Florida voter rolls were pristine and that only qualified uh, citizens of the state of Florida were on the voter rolls. An absolute falsehood. Not only misinformation, but disinformation based on the fact that they knew what they were saying was not true. A lot of the pushback has come from supervisors of elections primarily which are Republicans. So as an example, Alan Hayes 
He's out in Lake County, um, pushed back tremendously after he's the one that laid down the gauntlet and said, put up or shut up, either give us examples of voter fraud or keep quiet. And when we gave him those examples, he came with his hat in his hand and then he tried to sweep everything under the rug and cover up, got together with the Republican uh, state attorney in Ocala, who, who covers Sumter Lake and Marion counties. And they were able to make those complaints go away. They were no different than the complaints right here in Alachua County or the complaints that have been uh, prosecuted by the Office of Election Crimes and Security. The only difference was a prosecutor that refused to prosecute those cases. So it's it's a shotgun effect in terms of who will and who won't prosecute. Right now, we have cases in Leon County, uh, Gasson County. We have 22 cases. Four sexual predators voted and 18 sex offenders voted in the 2020 election. We have over 20 more cases in Duval County after securing a conviction up there of a very uh, similar case. We have over 20 cases in Orange County where the state attorney has just been replaced down there. Of course, she did nothing. She uh, was um, launched into office by millions of dollars from George Soros pumped through a third-party voter registration organization known as the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, who has now filed a lawsuit against the governor, all 67 supervisors of elections, and all 67 clerks of court based on the confusion that's been created by the uh, Amendment 4 voting statute that was passed in 2018. But again, we are on the, the ground floor of this. We're, we're rooted in. We're dug in. We're not giving up. We're having a tremendous success rate. And now it's going to be something that's going to be put in the forefront as an issue because the 2024 general election has become such a flashpoint and such a hot topic with the recent indictments of the former president. And so this will be an issue moving forward. They will only grow exponentially. We have the data. We have the track record. We have the uh, bang for your buck, if you will, and we will not let up. And so I appreciate everything you've done, Ward. I know you are with me every step of the way, not only uh, now, but back in the day and even before uh, this all started right after the 2020 election. But your format and your show has been an excellent springboard for me to get the information out to the listeners and the voters in our community so they can spread the word because the only success we really have is moving the needle on the um, the uh, uh, the dial for uh, the public opinion. That's the only jury we care about. Once public opinion kicks in, that's when change actually takes place. Uh, you're not going to find politicians who are ready to lead this charge unless their constituents line up and demand it. So we're looking for the court of public opinion to take this information, make their judgment, make their decision, and then implement the changes that are necessary so that we can feel safe and secure in the 2024 election. We have a question here from Ray Stern, who, as you know, is a great uh, uh, listener and student of the show. Uh, do you believe that uh, most of the fraudulent voting went for the Democrat, was done by the Democrats, or that's a good question, and uh, I don't remember that we went looking at it that way. Just... Uh, <clears throat> I, I can answer that question. Um, obviously, we we just let the data fall where it may, whether it's gender, race, uh, party affiliation. But party affiliation numbers are there to show that it's very likely if people are voting um, by their registered party, that it's likely about three to one uh, Democrat over Republican. There are quite a few NPAs also not to be um, forgotten. But the fact is um, it is trending toward 
the D's very heavily in terms of the voter registration of the cases that we've unearthed. Of course, there's a, uh, there's more historical uh, data which indicates that the Democrats are the ones that are trying to sign up everyone who can fog a mirror. So that would lead you to believe, too, that a lot of these um, illegal votes did go um, to the Democrat side. Um, that being said, I think you can extrapolate a lot of these numbers, not just from Alachua County throughout the state. We've done the research um, on on the, uh, the sex offenders that voted in, in the state of Florida in 2020. We know that over 2,000 sex offenders registered to vote illegally. We know that about 25% of them actually cast a ballot. So that's, you know, between five and 600 um, illegal votes cast from sex offenders alone in 2020. That is enough votes right there to uh, change the outcome of the Bush Gore election in 2000. So for people to say that these are uh, minuscule numbers or infinitesimal, I would point them to how close these elections can be and, and how they can turn on a, even a single vote. Um, that being said, um, it really doesn't matter um, who they voted for. The fact is, this is uh, a problem within the state of Florida and within our country where we have election integrity that's being questioned, and rightfully so. We have the data to prove that there is voter fraud that took place that's being ignored, and we refuse to sit back and let it take place. If we, if we see it, if we see something, we're going to say something. We're going to get a hold of the right people, and we continue to work with the reporters that will report the truth. And I can tell you that I've been interviewed, Ward, you and I have been interviewed by the New York Times. I've been interviewed by the Washington Post, the Guardian, ProPublica, the New York Times multiple times, Tampa Bay Times. It's a lengthy list. And they come in with a preconceived notion, a headline, and a narrative that fits their editor's uh, psyche. And they leave with a whole nother outlook. And so what happens a lot of times is these stories don't even get published because they can't handle the truth. And so we're here to bring the truth. We will find the outlets that will report the truth and let the chips fall where they may. And like I said, Ward, our track record proves we're correct. We have the we have the prosecutions. We have the convictions. We have a laundry list of people that are behind bars right now for voting illegally in the state of Florida in 2020. No one can match that record. There's not another entity, another individual, another agency in the entire country that has the track record that we have in terms of the convictions and, and the results of our investigations. And we know there's hundreds more cases that we filed complaints on. There's tens of thousands more that we have not. And those those are just the raw numbers. So it's it's real. It's big. It's coming. And like I said, we refuse to sit back and let it take place. Well, talking with Mark, I'm just going to leave it at that. Our chief investigator uh, with whom I work really I'm thinking back on this uh, since 2012. So we've been together for a decade uh, it's been a very enjoyable relationship, a partnership, if you will. I learned from Mark and certainly uh, want to thank all of you who sponsor the show, contribute to the show, for giving us a platform where we can share this information. Once we get it out there, it's not easy, as Mark just talked about, to actually get it out to the big islands, if you will, if you compare this to putting a note in a bottle and letting it float out to sea. The interviews that have been done by the New York Times with me are unrecognizable when I see them in print. <laughs> I, 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 it's like it was a completely different experience. And if you take this as kind of a, 
a microcosm of the bigger story, you can see how much a an acceptable narrative drives the information that the unsuspecting citizen relies on. And it is significant when you're in the business that Mark and I are in, the difference between the information you get as an unsuspecting citizen and the information we get that we supply to the people who in turn give it to you. And we can rank these outlets pretty clearly in terms of trustworthiness. I would have to say Breitbart has absolutely been a friend of ours and has almost quoted us precisely as we presented it. Right, Mark? Yeah, Breitbart was huge in uh, June of 2021 when the uh, inmate voter fraud was uh, first coming, being made public. And when it went to FDLE uh, back in the day, Breitbart ran an article and rehashed an article that Jennifer Cabrera wrote for the Alachua Chronicle. Uh, kudos to her as well. But yeah, Breitbart did a whale of a job in June of 2021. And that's when the ball really started rolling in our favor. So we're, we're grateful for that. Um, obviously, we, we've been proven out in that case. It took an eight-month eight FDLE investigation. And um, there's still one case hanging out there. So of the, of the 10 inmates who were charged with voter fraud uh, that were registered by the outreach director for our supervisor of elections during a COVID outbreak inside the jail, double masks with goggles on uh, 10 of those inmates uh, were uh, prosecuted. Nine of them have been convicted and one is currently in County jail uh, awaiting um, trial. So uh, again, our success rate is impeccable. Uh, it can't be denied. And Breitbart was huge uh, posting that article, but you know, over two years ago now, we think about that. We've been, We've had this information for 27 months, and for whatever reason, these the courts, the the investigative bodies, they've all drugged their feet. Is it drug or drag, Ward? Um, <laughs> they've all dragged their feet, and um, like I said, it, there's not going to be a bad time. The longer they wait, the more impact it's going to have when it actually you know hits the big screen, so to speak. So we're we're looking forward to having our day, if you will. And like I said, no one can can touch our track record. And it's just it's just the tip of a very large iceberg. We we uh, we've identified more. We know there's more than we've identified. And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, we have to be the bearer of bad news. And that is that there is no election integrity uh, in our uh, our local state and national elections. It's very unfortunate. But I'm I'm sorry to tell the listeners that. But uh, voter fraud has to be rooted out one case at a time. You can't just throw a net or a blanket and, and get it all. But um, you have to start somewhere. And that's what we did. And um, as as you know, and I know you, Ward, uh, you're not one to give up easily. So we're, we're not going away, um, you know, into the night. And we're just really getting started. So obviously we... Um, we need to keep you healthy and, and strong and keep your energy up. That's I always marvel at how much energy you have, especially in the morning. And I appreciate everything you've done, not just for me, but, but for the community in terms of getting the truth out on these very, very important issues. Uh, also, I want to mention, I, I really do like questions. So if anybody has any questions, please um, let Ward know. Um, and I'd be happy to answer those as well. Well, I've got a question here for you. Has T.J. Pichet been charged with election interference? The answer is no. Um, we do have the FDLE report 
They took uh, eight months to do their investigation. There was the possibility of him getting charged with a misdemeanor based on um, his his um, government position. Unfortunately, the statute of limitations was only six months on that particular issue, and that time that clock had run out. What we were pleased with was the fact that he was called on the witness stand in the John Boyd Rivers case, which was uh, decided by a jury. He was found guilty of um, uh, voting as an unqualified elector. And TJ was on the witness stand, as well as our supervisor of elections, Kim Barton. There is the distinct possibility that that will happen again on the, the outstanding case from the inmates who were all registered by the outreach director inside the county jail. Like I said, during a COVID outbreak, never done before, never done since, all in the name of a safe election. Instead of it being safer, they actually made it more dangerous. And they, they not only registered eligible inmates, but they registered ineligible inmates as well, putting them at risk. And I will say that one of the major nonprofits that, that I am dealing with is the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. And the uh, leader of that organization is named Desmond Mead. He was the, um, the architect, if you will, of Amendment 4. They also signed up thousands of people throughout the state, many of whom were not eligible. They are now suing the state of Florida, the governor, all the supervisors, all the clerks of court, uh, based on uh, the unclear, uh, ambiguous language, um, which they're the ones that wrote and defined and clarified. And now all of a sudden it's it's too confusing. You know, first it was uh Oh, no, no murderers, no sex offenders, no sexual predators will be allowed to vote under Amendment 4. Then it was like, oh, yeah, everyone will have to pay back their fines, fees and or restitution. And then now that the law has been enacted and people have been arrested, prosecuted, convicted and jailed for violating the, the language in that amendment, they're crying foul now saying, oh, it's, it's too confusing and too hard to understand. I do want to make a point, and that is that leader, Desmond Mead, who was homeless and a felon who calls felons returning citizens now like that changes something he uh, by the grace of god is now living in a 3.6 million dollar mansion in a gated community on a lake in or in windermere florida next to the biggest attorney in central florida martin jane who lives in an eight million dollar mansion on that same lake so all of a sudden he's living uh, the life of a of some kind of king for registering voters so i want you to know how lucrative registering voters can be he has direct contact with george soros he funneled millions of dollars through his pack to monique warrell who's just been removed as a state attorney down in orange and osceola county and in the interim he has ingratiated himself by living in a an eight bedroom six bath mansion uh, in a gated community, yet he's saying, let my people vote. Interestingly enough, when he closed down that pack, he owed a tremendous fine of over $12,000, and there was over $3 million in cash on hand, which there's no accountability for. So $3 million cash on hand, closed the pack out. Now I'm living in a $3.6 million mansion. All I ask the listeners to do is do the math. Excellent. You know, how many people do you think would, A, know to look at that, and B, know what they were looking at when they looked at it? That's true. There's, 
and and there's and there's more that that nonprofit only became charitable about two years ago, even though they've been in existence for over 10 years. And they're claiming gross receipts of less than fifty thousand dollars a year, which is an absolute impossibility. And keep in mind, they're just under an umbrella organization called the Tides out of California, which is primarily funded by George Soros and other billionaires who aren't even American citizens. So I would consider this election interference right in the state of Florida. The fact that they funneled millions of dollars into state attorney races that have resulted in their candidate actually um, winning the, those races. And let me just put it mildly. I don't like it one bit. Well, that phrase, election interference, once again, who's bore at the cabbage? If it's Trump, why, boy, send him to jail. If it's Soros, oh, well, we're just trying to make sure everybody gets to vote. Um, wow. This, to me, is at the fundamental root of the problems the country's got. This gaslighting, which is a new term I've learned, wherein that which you're guilty of, you make the other guy think he's guilty of and that you're not guilty of. That's the way I understand the term. It is way beyond Dr. Strangelove even, a movie I really enjoyed. We're talking with Mark, our chief investigator. We're going to take a break for the weather here at the bottom of the hour. And we're going to get right back. I'm going to check the chat line for any questions you might have. And we're just heating up with another set of experiences we want to share with you. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Attention all Gator fans, Meldon Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and football signed by coach Billy Napier and much more. Go to the Meldon Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, 
Thank you to all the great businesses that support the Word Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Right, Ward's weather report brought to you by Lewis Oil. Fossil fuel. Good friends, Wendell Lewis, Chevron stations. Well, we're a little cooler today in the piney woods of north central Florida. But what is cool? Well, it's all relative, but it is below 90 predicted today. A little bit less than it was, about 10 degrees really, than the heat wave we had. But as we speak, we're watching the Atlantic off the coast of Africa. It is heating up with activity. And we need to keep an eye on a cluster of showers and thunderstorms that are developing along with several tropical waves that are going to be moving westward to this area through the two zones located in the eastern Atlantic waters where there's a lot of warm water. And it's about the time of year that this starts happening. We get the wind really off the coast of Africa trickling just out of the water, and suddenly you have a buildup of storms, and as they cross the warm water, they get over to our area. So August 18 and 20, August 17 through 20, these are basically, these clusters are in the middle of the Atlantic. But by August 21, 22, uh, they could be quite near us. So we're going to keep an eye on that and let you know as it uh, weeks progress or days progress, actually, on uh, what we're looking at. But plan on entering what we know of as the hurricane season. We have Mark on the line with us. We're only doing audio, not video. And we're going to talk now a little bit about our next subject of interest, which has, of course, to do with what Mark's been investigating. And I'll let you disclose what that subject is, Mark. So we'll talk a little bit about the uh, lawsuit that's taking place that was filed by the Coalition uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. And so they're they're suing everyone in the state of Florida, basically the governor, secretary of state, the attorney general, uh, all supervisor of elections, all six seven uh, clerks of court, uh, based on the. the alleged confusion uh, of Amendment 4. And so we're following that very, very closely. They're really in panic mode right now. When I say they, I'm talking about Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, who we'll call FRRC. Uh, what's happened is they've had to come and bail out some of these inmates and also pay for some of their attorney's fees so that they can um, 
kind of uh, lessen the the pain and suffering and their their reputation. Right now, um, they're being uh, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize of all things. But yeah, they've taken quite a licking here. Um, you know, based primarily on our research, because the state themselves have ha- not had the greatest track record in the world. But we know for a fact that they've come in to Duval County, one of our cases, and um, agreed to pay for a, a pro bono attorney up there. They're paying for Kelvin um, uh, Bolton's attorney here in Alaska County. They bailed him out. Unfortunately for him, he violated the terms of his pretrial release by uh, going on a couple of shoplifting sprees. And so he's back, um, as you would say, in the jug. Um, so they won't be able to bail him out again because he's, he's in there on a no bond now. Uh, the other inmate has bailed out, and um, his name is uh, Clinton Anderson. He just bailed out a few days ago. And so his case is headed, headed for trial as well. So they've had their hands full because, um, he's, you know, up to 40 people have been arrested around the state. It's um, tarnished their reputation. Um, they have... Uh, actually registered a lot of people, these people themselves. They're probably the number one third-party voter registration organization. They called it 3PRVO. And so they're one of the, if not the largest voter registration organization in the state of Florida. Like I said, it's become very lucrative for them. They keep their, their well, Barton, brand. You're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if you moved your computer or sure. something a little different. But uh, Okay, it's very... There you go. It's important. For, it's important for them to keep their brand, so to speak. So, uh, what we're doing is watching this lawsuit very closely to, to see how it um, meanders through the courts. It will take some time, but just be aware that every supervisor in the state of elections and every clerk in the state has been named um, as a defendant in the case. And the plaintiff is the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. We'll keep a real close eye on that. We feel like uh, it's it's likely that at the end of the day, there'll be a, a positive outcome and that this case will either be um, uh, kicked out or that the defendants will win uh, in terms of the actual uh, legal maneuvering that's taken place. Uh, and this is at the, uh, the state level. So we just want to bring you up to date on that. We'll be keeping a close eye on that. It's very important. They're very well healed. Um, obviously, uh, they've got the finances again. They would lead you to believe that they're David versus Goliath, when in fact they are Goliath. We are David. We have zero dollars and zero cents in our budget, and we have done this uh, quite Herculean style. Um, of course, Ward, you have helped me tremendously, but um, we're we're really kind of out there on an island, so to speak. So we would appreciate um, the listeners just spreading the word by word of mouth. And like I said, move that dial, move that needle in the court of public opinion. That's the most um, uh, important jury on the planet. And that is the the court of public opinion, that jury, they decide what laws get pushed forward by our legislators based on um, priority and importance. And we feel like election integrity should be in the forefront because without fair elections, I believe everything else uh, becomes moot. It is it is unjust and it's unfair for elected officials to be making policy decisions that affect us financially and otherwise, who are elected unfairly and uh, actually illegally, if you will. And so we're here to 
watch. We're just a watchdog. We're not saying we're always right, but I will say that our track record proves that we are usually right. So stay tuned. Ward, I appreciate you very much. I appreciate this format. It's been tremendous to get the word out. And from there, we've been able to get other um, uh, entities, other um, news uh, outlets to do um, articles, not you know, including Breitbart, among others. And so we greatly appreciate uh, the support that we're getting from the listeners on this show because we, we know that you're going out and you're telling friends and family, you're telling them what's going on. It's critically important. And right now, it's never been more important to get the word out that we're demanding election integrity uh, in our local, state, and national elections. And just to recap, the Florida Restoration Rights Commission. Coalition. Coalition. Is financed by Soros. It is a nonprofit that is primarily financed by George Soros, 100 percent in a game set match. Um, there's there's no question they've run multiple packs and the money's very easy to trace. Um, there's multimillion dollar deposits being put in, which are coming directly from the packs that George Soros uh, is funding himself. So I I have every reason to believe that George Soros, when he comes to Orlando, that he's staying at Desmond Mead's mansion. Um, there's there's no reason not to assume that because that's the kind of palatial uh, living that's taking place by these uh, individuals who are, um, I call them poverty pimps, who pretend to be helping, you know, the returning citizens and the um, those that are uh, less fortunate while they're living the life of a king and a queen. It is it is absolutely disturbing. And trust me when I tell you that I've notified the proper agencies to take action when it comes to the tax ramifications of something like that taking place. And they are taking to task as I understand it, every quote-unquote official voting institution in the state, right? The 100%. Right. Yeah, because the clerks of court um, uh, keep record of the fines and fees that are owed and because the supervisors of elections are the ones that um, file uh, the information on whether someone's qualified to vote or not, they've all been included. So it's in excess of 140 defendants on this case. So it's it's rather cumbersome, uh, but it, I think it will be actually adjudicated fairly quickly because I think the uh, the resolution is quite obvious. I, I don't think they have a case, and uh, I think we have a governor who will stand up to them, and we'll keep a very close eye on it for our listeners. Plantation Mark says that Glenn Beck has been railing against something called the Tides Foundation for over well, 10 years. There, there you have it. Tides Foundation is the it's an international uh, charity nonprofit, and their local their national headquarters is somewhere in California. I believe it's in Los Angeles, and uh, millions, if not billions, of dollars have poured in all over the world uh, from these billionaires who dictate, if you will, from uh, foreign countries, and that money finds its way right into our local elections. And in my estimation, and believe me, I've, I've brought this up with federal authorities. Uh, I believe that that is an absolute example of election interference. It is illegal. It should be stopped immediately. It's easy to trace. And I have filed those complaints. Coleman, Mark on the phone here, and I'm checking your chat line to see anything on your mind. We're going to move along into a story which I have covered here already. 
to some extent and uh, broke it here actually on this show. And then once I broke it, found out that curiously, it seemed to me anyway, that the Gainesville Sunset scrambled to write a story that sort of covered the one we broke. You want to talk about that, Mark? Certainly. Uh, Ward, you were with me um, <laughs> on several occasions, uh, when, uh, not the least of which was when we went to the state attorney on the, the voter fraud issues. But before that, we went to the state attorney on a case of wrongful conviction, and I'm not going to go into the details. But you and I met with uh, Derry Lloyd on two occasions, as you recall, and we presented the evidence on a wrongful conviction case here in Latchell County. And at the end of the second meeting, we were assured that a report would be generated and that the state attorney at the time, William Servone, would be brought up to speed on what that report was. When Mr. Servone left office, uh, he was given my phone number by the person who was wrongfully convicted, and he called me, and we had a discussion. And what what came out of that discussion was the fact that Derry Lloyd never presented that report. He never generated a report. He never did anything. He swept our entire conversation under the rug. So from that day forward, I've always known that Derry Lloyd was a liar. There's no other way to put it, Ward. He told us one thing. He did another. He lied right to our faces. You were there. The wrongfully convicted person was there. Uh, another investigator was there. He did absolutely nothing. Mr. Servone was never uh, brought up to speed on that case. And from that day forward, I knew that he could not be trusted. So what? let's fast forward a little bit. What happens next? <clears throat> Brian Kramer gets elected. And the uh, deputy chief investigator, Derry Lloyd, now gets promoted to chief investigator, Derry Lloyd. Okay, so now we have someone who's diametrically opposed to our presentation of wrongful conviction is now the chief investigator. So now we know we can really <clears throat> trust little or nothing that comes out of the state attorney's investigative body. It's just a fact. It's just the way it is. I, I, I can't slice or dice it or, or put it any other way. And Mr. Kramer knows that because I told him that um, in a meeting that you were at as well, that we've had an experience with the, the investigator <clears throat> and then it, it did not bode well. So moving forward, we also know that Derry Lloyd and <clears throat> former Gainesville uh, GPD chief Tony Jones had a relationship back when Derry Lloyd first got into law enforcement to the point where really Tony Jones was Derry Lloyd's mentor. So that goes way back. Now we come forward. We have the big scandal with the SWAT raid on Colliers with the, the Boss Hart trade secret case, which all got uh, dropped. In fact, that case has actually been expunged uh, from the, the criminal courts, which it should have been. But we know for a fact that they were that the state attorney was co-opted by the largest real estate firm in our community, and we we know the details of that as well. But during that scandal, Chief Jones was moved out of his position as chief of uh, Gainesville Police Department, and some crazy position of COO or something for the city of Gainesville. So he's just been out there making money, but he's no longer the chief of police. So he's he's dodged that bullet, so to speak, of being held accountable for that raid, which we have all this evidence on as being uh, highly uh, scandalous and illegal, in my opinion. 
and, and as a realtor, it concerns me deeply. But but saying that now, very quietly, we came across a document where when someone goes to work for the state attorney, they file an oath and that document finds its way into the public records. And so there's an oath from June 23rd where Tony Jones is now an employee of the state attorney's office as an investigator. So now uh, Derry Lloyd has become the master and Tony Jones is the grasshopper over at the state attorney's office. And then it turns out that they, they put out this memo that he's, he's a volunteer and that other, other uh, law enforcement officials have been volunteers there as well, including, including uh, Sheriff Sadie Darnell. What we, what we don't find on uh, former chief uh, uh, Sheriff Darnell is the document in the public records where she is an employee of the state attorney's office. And so from their word, I'll let you pick up what's actually in that oath in plain English. Well, I have it right here with me, and I cited it yesterday, uh, or a couple of days. I've lost track of uh, the days, but uh, um, this is what I. Uh, this is a this is a notary public. Kramer is functioning as an officer of the court, if you will, um, when he signs his name to the oath of loyalty of the investigator Tony Jones which reads, I, Tony Jones, a citizen of the state of Florida and of the United States of America and being employed by or an officer of the state attorney's office, 8th Judicial Circuit, and a recipient of public funds as such employee or officer, do hereby solemnly swear or affirm that I will support the Constitution of the United States and of the state of Florida. Now, this is a sworn oath. As I made the point, this is not going away. If this is not so, then you lied. Well, <laughs> you can quibble and say, well, it's a standard form. Standard form, what you do is you strike through recipient of public funds as such employee, initial, note, whatever you need to do to make it official, and say volunteer. It's not here. So the question becomes, is he getting health insurance? Is he getting a vehicle? Is he getting a, a state attorney-issued firearm? There's all kinds of questions, Ward. And I'm going to take you back to the um, midnight graveyard a little bit. You recall the uh, hookah lounge shooting. You remember that, right? And we know for a fact that Tony Jones uh, overrode the recommendation of the city uh, permit folks who denied an application for a rap concert the same night as the Vanderbilt homecoming game. And what transpired that evening was a shooting between promoters inside the building uh, during the concert. And we know that Tony Jones was first on the scene. He, he was there at the concert. So not only did he condone this concert, he was at the concert. Meanwhile, the entire GPD staff is spread razor thin trying to cover a homecoming game, football game for the University of Florida. Makes no sense whatsoever. He's, he's totally responsible for what happened there. So here's the person who exercises poor judgment. 
He's okay with the SWAT raid on Colliers. He's okay with the rap concert without security. Yet he's going to now be an investigator for the state attorney's office. I find it extremely unnerving and, and uh, unacceptable that that's been allowed to happen. It's nothing other than feathering your nest and, and, and keeping everything together. Imagine how much evidence can be swept under the rug now with Derry Lloyd and Tony Jones. I mean, the, you got two brooms sweeping now. So I'm very, very uncomfortable with this. It really disturbed me greatly. I think the only solution really is that we need a different state attorney, to be quite frank with you. Well, you're not the only one that feels that way, but it's a, a matter of getting noise and awareness of what's going on. You know, we have another curious situation which we've been tracking, and that is the sudden mysterious behavior of the sheriff that says, oh, well, I'm going to resign. We know strictly by informants, if you will, to us, that there was pursuit, if you will, by the state attorney of anything that might show illegal activity by the sheriff. That's where it kind of gets blurry. But at the same time, we know Jones and Lloyd and uh, Watson, they all know each other. They go back. And that Watson, they're not on the same page. He's not on the same page as Jones and Lloyd. And so when you look at Jones and Lloyd, you have to wonder, you just have to wonder, what is going on? Particularly when we were told, were we not? correct me if I'm wrong, by the state attorney, that he could not investigate <laughs> a, a, a constitutional employee uh, like a state uh, supervisor of elections, right? Did I hear that right that day in the office? You were right there with me, Ward, uh, that he would have to turn that over to the sheriff because he could not investigate a charter officer for the county, uh, fellow charter officer. So, yeah, that that's... That's a fact. We both heard it plain as day. Uh, other people heard it. And, um, you know, the, it's come to the point where there's no trustworthiness, you know, for us in that office. I mean, we've been lied to multiple times by multiple people. And, you know, the time has come to let the listeners know that we've got to get the word out that the only way to uh, move the dial is to have another uh, person at the helm of the state attorney's office. I firmly believe that. Uh, there's a lot of people that are very angry about what happened in the Boss Hart Colliers uh, scandal and um, not not just, um, you know, the, the lower echelon. There's some very important uh, high ranking individuals in this town that feel very strongly that, that they crossed a line, um, that they put uh, people's lives at risk. And it's just one case of many. They're just starting to build up now. I mean, for example, you know, GRU has been taken away from the city and I mean, it just it just keeps building and building. So eventually it's going to reach a breaking point and something's got to change. And, you know, obviously you and I would like to turn the whole thing upside down. But unfortunately, we live in the blue, the blue dot in the red state and um, it's going to be tough. Well, truthfully, if it were shoe on the other foot. And we do have the kind of the shoe on the other foot. We've got a Republican state attorney. 100%. We've got mm -hmm. a Democrat chief investigator and whatever. So mm -hmm. it's not that we are party loyal loyalists and do this. 
It's that we're truth loyalists. I mean, you know, what a crazy situation where you've got both a Republican and Democrat together in this mix that it does not pass the smell test. Yeah, it's gotten it's gotten way too political. It, it, it needs to it's a, it's a, it's law enforcement. The state attorney prosecutes cases they that violate Florida statute that they believe they can win in a court of law. It needs it needs they need to stick to that and they need to stay out of politics. Been talking with uh, Mark here, our chief investigator. Uh, any questions? Uh, you better get them to us right now. We got a couple of minutes left. Let's do a wrap up, Mark. Anything that you uh, are make the public aware of before we. Um, take off. <clears throat> First and foremost, we're going to be watching the local uh, voter fraud cases. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a plea deal that's taking place right now on on the case. So um, we'll bring you up speed on that probably later today, latest tomorrow. Um, that should be making the airwaves pretty quickly. Um, again, just a, another uh, prosecution, another conviction of a case that we we brought forward. Um, you know, none of this would have seen the light of day had it not been been for you, Ward, and myself, you know, uh, discovering all these uh, massive number of people that voted from the Alaska County Jail. <clears throat> so we were very fortunate to, to find that information. So that's the main thing moving forward. It's voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud, and election integrity uh, needs to come back to the state of Florida. Well, Mark, thanks for being on the show. We check in with you every once in a while. And um, sir, we'll circle back with you as we get closer to uh, the election time. This is a very hot topic. Uh, those of you who are listening and viewing, uh, spread the show. That's the way to spread the word. Put it out on your network and share the link. Uh, we'll have it posted here on the wardscottfiles.com uh, probably by noon. And uh, it's also out on uh, Rumble, Vimeo, and a lot of podcast platforms. So there's ways to get the word out. We'll certainly work at our end getting the word out. Mark, thank you very much. And those of you who have been tuned in, have a great day. A Warthog Command Center out.